welcome to Wildcards. I'm Alex Bree, CEO and co-founder of Tillo. I started this podcast not too long ago, actually, start of the year. And the main premise of this podcast was to find out what truly makes a wildcard. I get to speak to innovators, pioneers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and they get to share their personal stories with me, the challenges they've overcome, and the mistakes that they've made along the way. And what I'm looking to do is explore how that sort of challenges that they've gone through sculpts them as people. Wildcards have a unique way of changing the game. Welcome. Really lucky today. I reached out to Rosie on LinkedIn, total spam mail, and she got back to me. I saw an article on the BBC and this article was talking about something that's quite close to my heart, which is the military. And it was also talking about Rosie's incredible achievement by being the first woman officer to have completed the Brutal Power course, um, which is called P Company. Um, so really excited to have her on today and sort of dig into her mindset, high performance, um, the challenges she sort of overcome and to, you know, let's get right into the thick of it in terms of how she was able to deal with being the only woman in history to have completed that course, which started in 1946, I think. So yeah, really excited to this, for this episode. And I hope you get a lot out of it yourself. So yeah, looking forward to getting into it. Thanks. Rosie, welcome. Good to have you on board. Um, Thank you for having me. I, yeah, just, I think it's always funny that how incredible technology is. And I'll start with, um, I saw a regurgitated uh, article on the BBC that was quite old, to be fair, but someone was very complimentary about the achievements that you'd done. Um, I read through the article and the headline was, um, first female to have passed the brutal P company. I was like, oh, that's a, that's a big, bold statement. Um, and it was quite close to me because I've done P company and I know how hard it is. Um, uh, my brother did it too. He was in two para. And I was super keen to, to sort of speak to yourself because not just for that, but like just your mindset, like how you, because um, I've read up a lot about yourself and what you've been doing. And I know you've been, you're a very keen runner um you're a tri triathlete so fitness is obviously very central to a lot of things that you believe in but you're in a regiment where there's lots of women in your regiment sort of no not in the royal i thought in rha there were like, oh in the artillery in, in, yeah sorry total yeah, yes yeah. sorry i thought you meant in my regiment because because in my in my when i i mean i feel like an old man now i'm 40 and i left in 2006 the end of 2006 2007 and there were no women in my my regiment in my brother's regiment there's no women um so even having fit um mentally strong women in the military there weren't that many of them anyway because it, 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 in terms of looking at it now, when I go to a CrossFit gym or a gym, there are women that are fitter than men there. And there's a, there's a, there's a sort of equilibrium of, of balance, if you will. But I'm keen to dig into a bit of your background. Um, when did you join the military? And what made you sort of want to go and do something that no other woman had done? Um, I'll probably just... Yeah, 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 absolutely. Just go, yeah. Um, so I joined the army in 2015. Um, I'd, I'd been at university before. I always wanted to join the army. My dad had been in the army. I'd sort of Amazing. seen that and thought, that's, he, he does he does exercise during the day. <laughs> he has, he's out and about all the time. I wasn't Amazing. the kind of person I wanted to be at a desk. So I joined the army in 2015. Um, 
actually, while I was in training uh, at Sandhurst, I um, I tore everything in my knee and I had to go into the rehabilitation platoon, um, which kind of delayed my journey. And I, well, actually, I had a moment where I thought, oh, I I think someone's telling me I'm not going to pass this this course. Because while I was in, while I was rehabbing, I broke my foot. And so I thought, right, some someone up there is saying, you're not robust enough to, uh, to join the army. Um, but I kind of, I guess that's the first time I experienced a huge setback in my life. And I, that's in hindsight, I don't really know what I was thinking at the time, but in hindsight, I look back and I think, oh, I really, I really flipped what was a huge obstacle into an opportunity. Mm. And, um, I think the eight months I spent, uh, in this, in this holding platoon, because you have to spend specific period of time, um, the eight months I spent there, I think, were probably um, the most defining um, really? of that sort of period of my life. Um, and I, I'm i really proud of how I used them. Um, flipped them enough that I rehabilitated. I got fit again. Um, I went back on uh, course in Sandhurst and I ended up winning the Sword of Honour, which um, is for the, the the best individual of the intake that year. Um, it was Incredible. the first... I was the first if it matters, the first woman who'd won since the platoons had been integrated. So since you were compared and uh, up and graded against the men around you, um, it was the first time that had happened. And so I kind of, I think I, yeah, looking back on my time, I thought, oh God, I actually really embraced that, that I embraced the obstacle that was put in front of me and I made it into an opportunity. And I loved that feeling. And I thought, well, that's, I guess that's probably the way you keep going forward. So, um, so do you think that, so for those that don't know, like Sandhurst is where you, 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 you're, you're taught to lead and you become a commissioned officer. Yeah. So typically you go into a regiment, you'll be, you'll select a regiment you want to go into. Um, and then you'll do training that enables you to lead a troop of people. Um, and you're going to second lieutenant, I think, but the training itself is a year long. Like it, It's not like a three month course. It's a year long training thing. It's a, it's a, it's a significant undertaking. Um, and at the end of it, you get commissioned and obviously there's hundreds and hundreds of people saying you, you went and obviously did an amazing achievement in, um, in having that sort of honor. I didn't actually know what that was to be fair until recently. I started reading about it. They obviously have top crew mm. and whatever else, but, um, yeah, incredible. So do you think like that knee injury, how long did that sort of set you back? So it was actually the fourth operation I'd had on my oh. knees. Um, hereditary, thanks, mum. But uh, it, it, the the delay was mostly that I had to wait for operations and then have mm. the operation and then rehabilitate from that. Um, and having had three prior to, to joining um, operations, um, it probably took a bit longer. I... I mean, if you look at what I've done since then physically, uh, it hasn't hampered me at all. If anything, I've probably learned more about my body and how to look after it and how to... Really? Re you know, from the age of 19, when I first did it and I tore everything in my knee, I probably learned, oh, you can't treat your body like it will bounce back every single day. Um, so I say this um, knowing that I don't do my rehab and stretching now, but um, I certainly have a, a better appreciation for how to look after myself and how mm. to... Um, how to manage that and probably am more sympathetic and empathetic to those that are injured around me. Um, but yeah, it, it was obviously a physical setback, but what I actually suffered more with was the psychological step back of, I don't actually know if I'm going to achieve this. I don't know if I'm going to commission. They were telling me 
probably don't run again. You know, you're, really? you're probably you're probably gonna you know do more damage to your knees than it's worth. Um, and you're a keen runner. Yeah, well, well uh, yeah, I'm probably more keen than, now than I was then. Yeah. And I just think that I I learned a way of managing it and really? sort of um, I probably. Maybe in twenty years' time, I'll say maybe I shouldn't have carried on running so much. But yeah. at the moment, it's it's great fun. I always find because I interviewed lots of people, spoken to lots of incredible um, high achievers, and the common trait is those setbacks, isn't it? That are used as opportunities to springboard from. It's never someone that's just continually won all the time that just keeps on getting better. It is those losses, those hard times of being told you can't do that. You're not going to be able to do that. And in your case, you've been told that information and you've you've put a spin on it. So when you let like moving on from Sandhurst, like you left Sandhurst, you went to your you went to the Royal Horse Artillery. At what point like did it sort of become like what itch was there to sort of think who told you about like obviously your dad was in the military did you know much about the the maroon machine and the paras and the the sort of those sorts of courses no so he 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 didn't do that he was in the line infantry but i um so with the royal artillery we've got a huge spread of individuals and we have um obviously those that are in the um uh airborne forces um i'd i'd met a few of them my platoon commander at santhurst a, a color sergeant at santhurst um a staff sergeant rather and um i'd thought that, i mean they were fantastic and really? and they really were a head, head and shoulders above um other soldiers other soldiers or officers i worked with um i went to a regiment up north um nothing to do with the uh, parachute regiment went to a regiment in North Yorkshire um, and had a wonderful time. They are wonderful people. But whilst I was there, I started getting a little bit bored or I would say I was probably, I probably started coasting and mm. that's not comfortable for me. I started, I guess, getting up and just going through the motions really? and I was doing well, but I thought, is this, I'm really not challenged at all. Um, and I you know, find ways to be challenged, whether that's in sport or um, other ways uh, with the military. But I do just think that I, maybe I didn't know it myself, but I think people noticed that I was sort of on autopilot. Mm. Um, and my uh, line manager at the time, my um, OC, uh, he he had come from the airborne forces and i thought he was fantastic he was absolutely a mentor to me an inspiration to me and uh i thought if that's what if if officers that go there turn out like him and my platoon commander at santos then maybe there's something maybe there's really? something down there um i then met a few of the soldiers on a course and yeah again they were just fantastic mm. and i knew i needed to be around people that were better than me because that's the only way in my opinion yeah i will get better is by being around people that challenge me um so when it came to selecting my next job so this is sort of the third job i was doing um i'd i'd expressed this interest to my line manager um but when i wrote down the jobs that i wanted to go to i didn't write down um seventh parachute regiment uh, which is where i'm at seventh uh, parachute regiment royal hospitality um, and he said, "Oh, why haven't why haven't you written that down?" I said, "Oh, well, obviously, I'd love to go there, but I have to pass P Company." And he said, "Oh, so?" And I said, "So I'm a woman, so I can't pass P Company mm. um, because at the time no women had passed. No. They were allowed to, but yeah. no woman had mm. passed." Um, and he said, "No, of course you're not going to pass P Company if you never do it." Mm -hmm. um, and 
that was kind of a bit of a kick in the face of, oh, I thought I was, I thought I was uh, sort of, that's great to hear from yeah. somebody else who's, who's been there saying, why aren't you just going for it? Especially the military is great because you can give anything a go really. And there's not a huge consequence to just giving something a try and taking that risk. I think saying that, I think it's really humble of you to say that. And, but like no one around you is doing it. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? You've sort of paved the way for others to think potentially, I'm going to, I'm going to have a crack at it. I want to do that now. Um, which I think is, that's why I love talking to people like yourself with your mindset thinking, well, maybe I will give it a try, even though no one else has done it before um, or been successful in doing it before. Um, what did it feel like to sort of have that boost from someone around you that sort of believed or saw something in you to sort of go, you know, you should have a try at that? I would, I mean, if I get very honest with myself, I'd probably say I have more people around me that support that are yeah. pro me than I am pro me. Um, I imagine a lot of people have that imposter syndrome or just lacking that self-confidence where more people believe in you than you believe in yourself. Mm. Um, and I think that added an extra pressure actually when I went and did the course because I thought, but at no point did I ever think I was doing this course for me. It was never about having the badge on my shoulder and showing off about it. It was about serving with the soldiers, serving at the regiment and also supporting those that supported me so showing yeah. them that that I was I was delivering what they believed I could um and so I think there was a lot of pressure on me there that uh there were people backing me even when I wasn't backing myself um but I would say that most people I think most people that join the military uh, particularly um in a leadership capacity yeah um it is about other people and you you do end up caring more what other people think because our business is people. Mm. Um, as much as people look at the military and think our business is fixing bayonets, <laughs> I mean, 90% yeah. of the time my yeah, business yeah. is people. Mm. Um, and it's a vast array of people as well. It's from a 17-year-old, 16-year-old at Harrogate who's who's dropped out of school yeah. all the way up to y your generals. It's, it's just su such an array of people mm. and everyone matters and everyone has a place. Um, and it was only after I passed the course a few months after and I started talking at recruiting events that I realised the responsibility I had for the people yeah. um, in what I had done is in my individual responsibility. Um, and where I'd shied away from that stuff before, I really embraced it. And I thought, oh, actually, this is this is a power. Um, and it's something mm -hmm. I've been I've been given. Um, I, it's a privilege that I've been given it rather than um, this is something I yeah, can yeah. show off about. This mm. is something that can inspire people. Incredible. So the course itself, give, give, can you give people a bit of a flavour of how it was being the only woman on the course with all that testosterone and rage, violence? Yeah. Um, I won't say violence lightly in terms of the, it's that controlled aggression. You need to put it on now and now you need to turn it off. That's quite hard to do as a human being, um, I think. And you're trained to do that. Um, but I'd love for people to sort of hear it from yourself about the course, what it entailed, um, how you trained for it, how you didn't get any injuries. Because a lot of incredibly fit people I know have done it three or four times and got injuries three times, I think, and still not been able to do it at the end of it. Um, so there's a lot of luck that sort of comes with that. I know you can make your own luck, but I'd love to sort of um, dig into 
you know how you found it um what what explaining to sort of listeners here like which pieces of the course were the hardest and why uh yeah so well there's two parts there if i the um being on the course itself um i very much felt like i was just one of the other course other other candidates really? um i it was very much embraced by the rest of the course as well. I think they they saw straight away that that's kind of the way I worked, and mm. um, and and luckily for me, they they embraced that. There were difficult parts, sort of. I was accommodated uh, in a separate area, so that a lot of the time the messages didn't get to me because there was never any signal, and so I'd be running back and forth, going, "What's going on? What time are we doing this? What time are we this?" There's less camaraderie, so at the end of a you know really tough day, everyone goes into their four man, six man rooms, and they stretch together and they talk about the day, and they they might go and eat together. I went to my own room and I was in my own head. Mm. Eventually, I'd go and hang out in their rooms, but it's not the same yeah. um, as as just being around them. Um, so how did you find that? So, yeah. So when I look back now, um, even, well, even during the course, I remember messaging someone saying, oh, I did not expect it to be this hard mentally. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was because I didn't believe in myself. Every single event or every single session that we did, I was absolutely fine. Yeah, they're difficult. (laughs) I'm going to pretend they're not, but I, I finished them and I, and I, was pretty confident at the end of most of them physically. Um, and then I would go back into my room and I would tell myself that I wasn't going to pass. And it was because I had heard things like, oh, well, women don't pass the course because they make it harder so women can't pass it. Or um, women aren't robust enough. Or women are too small. Or there's no place for women in the infantry. But most of these things I was actually hearing were just coming from my own head. Really? Um, and it was it was like I was self-sabotaging by oh if i if i i'll be less upset if i don't pass if i keep telling myself that i won't pass um and i remember sitting at dinner once and there was a, a young sapper and he was he was really struggling and he was always at the back and if the office the officers are always at the back of everything we do and um if you knew the name of the soldier very well it was because you were always pushing him up and he was falling to the back um and i remember him saying oh yeah, mom, I, I don't. I think I'm going home. I'm not going to pass this. And I said to him, and I genuinely believed it. I said, "Don't be silly. You absolutely going to pass this. Um, you're doing fine. It doesn't matter whether you're dipping across the line or you're at the front. Mm. You are still crossing that line, and that's the standard. Mm. Um, so you need to you need to believe in yourself. You need to get it out your head. And then I go back to my room, having found that same session that he struggled on really easy. And I would think, oh, I won't unpack my bag because. I'll probably just have to pack it again tomorrow when I leave. So I was telling him something and then telling myself something else. And I'm a bit embarrassed in hindsight looking at back at how I, I sort of treated myself. Um, and and there was a sort of a shifting point, I'll explain, where I sort of did think, oh, actually, I can do this. I've got to believe in myself. Um, but yes, so I would say if I if I summed up the course, it was... 70% psychological and 30% physical. Um, and I think a lot of people agree um, that it, that it is also uh, arduous on the mind, mm. um, but perhaps not as much for, for some as for others. Yeah. Um, but I learned a lot about myself there. I learned a lot about imposter syndrome and finding self-confidence and finding that uh, motivation within yourself. I'm very, very intrinsically motivated. So... I don't really care about medals. I don't care about stand fast the fact that I do loads of um, races and sport. I don't 
do it for mm. the medal and for the podium and for the the win. Um, I do it for the journey. So I do it for those little intrinsic wins. Mm. And it's about me feeling good every single day, sort of waking up and deciding to be better rather mm. than waking up and deciding That's to win. That's It's, I think I'm lucky that I have that mm. mindset. Um, but that is, that is what helps when I wake up in the morning and I think I just want to be better for myself today. Rosie, did you, do you remember when you were growing up being like that? Teenager, young child, were you sort of intrinsically motivated in your words? I think I say? was. Yeah. yeah, I look back. I remember played a lot of sport, did a lot of yeah. um, high level sport, and I remember not really ever caring whether we won or lost the game. Mm. I just wanted to play well, or for the team to play well, and us to have a good game. Mm. Um, I remember. Yeah, I sort of. I used to wake up in the morning and my dad used to wake up really early in the morning and go on a run every morning. And I remember when we got old enough, he used to come around to mine and brother and sister's rooms and ask us if we wanted to go on a run. And I would always say yes. <laughs> and I'd go and I look back now and I probably absolutely ruined his training because I must have been so <laughs> slow. Um, but that was, I loved that. Mm. That was just this great feeling. And it was part of, oh, I'm motivated to get up. So now I wake up in the morning and I think, right, what can I do? What can I do? Can I go outside, go and yeah. do something? I have to do it now. Mm. Um, so I do feel very lucky that I haven't had to train myself into that mindset. Or, but maybe I have. I just did it really young. Yeah. Um, but I certainly. Um, it comes naturally. To yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. You don't need to try and find that um, that motivation. It sort of comes quite naturally to you. You like that feeling of positivity. During the course, though, like what, which piece of it would you say that was the, I was trying to explain it to my friends on a run this morning about P Company. And I was saying I was interviewing you um, and I was describing the trinasium. I was describing the log run, the stretcher. Well, it must weigh the same as a human. Definitely not a normal sized human. Yeah. <laughs> um, the certain distances you're doing, the hills that you're running up. Like this is in Catrick that you do this course in, which for those of you who don't know, th this is an incredibly hilly, to put it lightly, uh, terrain, isn't it? It's There's some incredibly steep hills. You do the 20 miler, I think, in, is it still done in Otterburn, in I think? yeah. What part did you sort of feel was the, that stood out for you? That was like, this is, mentally the hardest piece or and physically which was the hardest thing yeah we also did it in january so we had oh. snow and ice and the rain and everything um it probably the probably the milling because it was an unknown entity to me so for those that don't know the milling is you do a two minute uh i say boxing bout um uh shirts versus skins um somebody who's sort of the same height and weight as you you're paired up and um and you just mill which is where you box but you can't you can only hit straight punches and you can't defend yourself um and i had never been in a fight and i'd never boxed before and i remember they showed us how we we're going to do the milling uh, they sort of explained how the day was going to be and the um the pti in charge said has anyone not been in a fight and i was the only one who put my hand up and everyone looked at me like you've not been in a fight and i said do i look like i've been in a fight of course i haven't um and That's quite courageous of you just to put your hand up at that point, I think, even still. It shows a lot about your character. Yes. It's quite easy just not yeah. to do that. Yeah. And yeah, one of the things I'll probably talk about, I 
One of the things you learn at Santos, well, you talk a lot about leadership. And one of the um, one of the things that always stood out to me was Phil Marshall Slim, who said that leadership is just playing you. And I realized that that really works for me. And if I am not being myself, I'm no good to anybody. Um, and so my goal as well, while I was on P Company, and particularly once I passed, was to always be myself. And it might not work in every situation, but if I put on a character... I, I can't maintain that. I can't be authentic. I can't be the leader that. I'm meant to be. Yeah. So putting my hand up and saying I haven't done something mm. or saying I can't do something, I'm not afraid of doing that. Um so yeah, I did I did say that. I got it. Um and then um and then yeah, you're lining up for the the milling and you you're faced off with your partner. And it is a it is a very primal environment, you'll remember. It's sort of um it's a situation that nobody has ever been in before, even those 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 guys in the room who's, who've been in many a fight. Um, so I think psychologically, I was very very anxious because I just had no idea what that was going to be like. Um, but funnily enough, the the way they train us and the way they teach us to control our aggression and to just go through the motion and and do what you're told and then step back as soon mm. as that you're told to step back. It worked for me, and it was abs- and actually, I ended up quite enjoying it. Um, and I had a really, really good bout, and I sort of walked away from it like huge adrenaline. But I was able to sort of control it and say, "Okay, that happened. Yeah, that was what an experience." Don't know if I necessarily would will find myself on the uh, out in the town doing it again. Yeah. But um, but it, yeah, I mean, it was yeah, it was it was fantastic. It was something that. Um, I had never experienced, and um, hmm. yeah, it's. And did you, yeah. That was that psychologically the hardest piece of it. Physically, which, was there anything that sort of stood out? I mean, how how long is P Company now? I don't. I don't. So the uh, the the P Company course is three and a half weeks, um, yeah. and when I did it, you then you did three and a half weeks prior to that on yeah. something called Beat Up, um, which. I would say arguably was harder than than P Company, and that's 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 getting rid of people that aren't ready for yeah. P Company, and that's um, really the attrition rate there is a lot high, higher. Um, so it's about seven weeks in total, and it's twice a day. You're doing um, yeah. a testing event. Usually in the morning, it's something um, cardiovascular, so you've got a weight on your back, and you're doing a tab or you're doing a big run uh, or speed work, and then in the afternoon, it's it's sort of horrible circuit where you're being shouted at relentlessly um and then you're sort of left alone for the rest of it um i would say i i thought i would struggle more with the weight and i really didn't i found i actually sort of found oh i've I've got quite a strength here like carrying Mm. that weight on my back wasn't really a problem the hills i found good because i've got tiny legs so i was able to get up them quite easily i think um for me, physically, the hardest part was we because we had a quite a big course and the officers are right right at the back. Um, we often couldn't even see what was happening at the front, um, especially in bad terrain when you end up sort of being two or single file. Um, and suddenly there'll be a runaway, so the the guy the PTR at the mm. front would run away, and you're meant to go and catch them, and you've got a certain time to catch them. We wouldn't have even known that had happened until someone was saying, "Why haven't you started yet?" And then we'd be on catch up, and I mean, it's designed to make you nervous. It's designed to make you think you can't get there. And I always managed it and it was never a problem. But there was always that physical moment where I thought, oh, this could be it. This could be it. Um, And for those listening, like, I did it as a general recruit. It is harder for an officer 
I mean, I remember the fit officers would run off and catch the runaway, and then they're sent back to go and get all of the others, including the officers that can't keep up. And it was just constant. They're up the hills, they're down again. So it, it, however fit you are, you're being drilled into the ground. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. how far you get. They're going to find your your limit, um, which, yeah, credit to you. It's it's absolutely incredible um, an achievement to sort of get. How did you find the instructors, just in, in general? Did you find, um, yeah, how did you find it? I, I actually found them really supportive. I don't know what they were what they thought as yeah. such so they don't give much away um but whilst we were on the course i i very much felt like i was the same as everyone else i i definitely wasn't gray i was i obviously stood out i couldn't hide in the pack and just be be amongst the, the blokes um but there's also a huge every, everyone always uh recommends you be the gray person on a course like that they say just just go in the middle just don't yeah. don't get seen just <laughs> you know, be quiet and just yeah. get on with it. Well, I didn't have that option. Um, and actually, I'm really glad I didn't because um, there is also a huge um, opportunity for officers on the course. Yes, it is harder being at the back, but that is also where we get to practice being leaders and we get to practice having leaders' legs and we get to go back and get the guys and you get those leaders' legs that that mean that you have that extra energy. So when when I've never everyone... Heard of fin- that. leaders' legs. I love yeah. that. Yeah, and so when everyone... Um, Often on a uh, one of the tabs or runs, you'd finish the the you'd finish the end of the session, and then they'd say, "Right, turn around the officers," mm. and then you'd go and get taken for an extra four laps of the hill or something. And that's actually it's it is psychologically horrible, but I think that's where I really came into my own because really? I thought this is what this is this is our business. This is what we're meant to be good at. We're meant to be good at the, that extra ten percent because they would get the soldiers to watch us doing it. So they knew that that we were doing that little bit extra. And that has that has to carry on happening when you go to your unit, when you go back to wherever you're working. The soldiers have to know that you're doing that extra bit of effort because it is very, very easy to have an us and them mm. um, feeling in a regiment. And um, sometimes when you see an officer who's working behind a desk and the soldier is out on the rain doing something else, there's this big disconnect where they think, oh, why do they get to do that and I don't get to do this? Mm. So that when you have the opportunity, whether that's on PT or on the field or whatever you're doing, to show them that you are doing that but more, um, I think that that's really important for them to appreciate so that you can have a better leadership, followership relationship. Yeah, I never really thought of it like that. Or because I've never spoken about it to, since leaving, to be fair. But um, I think looking back, I had it like <clears throat> I had a newfound respect for the the officers that were doing it, and seeing human beings that were very fit being drilled right into the ground um, and leading the way, which is what you're saying that getting those leaders' legs and just gaining respect very quickly from the rest of the troop, which I find, find it absolutely is, is so inspirational. It obviously comes very natural to you, I think, like your your mindset, your, I know you've worked for it and you're constantly testing yourself, pushing yourself, um, which is inspirational in its own right because a lot of the time once you've done certain things and we'll come on to what, you, you, you know, what you're up to now in terms of fitness, um, but it's easy just to get these qualifications, get these things and just sort of leave it. 
a lot of my friends that did it, I mean, they definitely can't do anything on P Company again. Like they are, they've they've definitely done that, tick the box and moved on. Um, I think you see that in a lot of professional fighting, um, sporting sort of arenas where you've got people that have put everything on the line so early on in their lives. They put, they, they do it to the point they feel sick and then they just completely come off the wagon and they don't ever want to get back on the wagon of trying to keep that routine and regimentation, um, which I find, I find quite sad actually when you see these great people. You just want to keep on seeing them do great, whatever they're doing um, and leading and paving the way for others to keep on doing great. Um, in terms of, myths that you would have heard or encountered um about p company was there anything that sort of really that stuck to you or resonated that when you were there that actually that's not that's not quite what it's like i know you said that 70 percent is actually more mindset and in your head mentally than it is actually physically but was there any i think for just to sort of precede it if you will for me I know the biggest myth for me was the peer pressure of, yes, I can do it for myself, but I was so, de I was determined to, because I'm really not good with heights and everyone builds up this thing of the trinasium and you can see that you can see people there. You can't really do that and beat up. So you get there, you see this enormous scaffolding structure with no netting and pads really anywhere. And if you fall off and they, they play around because ours was covered in snow as well and they're kicking, oh, there's the safety check done, up you, up you go. And I remember thinking, oh, this is, this is bad, but it's actually not that bad because you're seeing your friends that you make that you've never met before. A lot of them, I didn't know anyone there. And the myth for me was it's that building up of something in your head. And actually when you jump out of an airplane and the chute opens, it's only that, what well, I think it's um, the fear bubble that uh, Al Middleton talks about. It's just that little bit when you jump out the plane or you have to shout your army number and you go over the bolts on the trinasium that's escaping. It's that little bit. It's not the whole thing. It's just that little thing. If you narrow it down to that little thing, it's not that big a deal, actually. You can take that. But I'm, I'd love to hear what myth sort of was rang true for yourself. That's really interesting, actually, because <laughs> I always say that when we jump. I mean, nobody, nobody likes military no. jumping. It's not fun <laughs> parachuting. And it's the only bit that is scary is when you're in the door. Yeah, And by then you go, well, I just want to get out. But that little moment when you've got the little shakes, <laughs> no one admits they have them because we're all looking around and putting our thumbs up and we're all cheering. Um, but everyone has that little shake. Being in the plane, jumping, when you're actually in the air and when you're landing, it's it's absolutely fine. It's really fun. And you sit up and you check that everything's still working and then you go, right, get me yeah. up there again. Then you get in the plane again and you think, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> Every time. Um, and I'm not afraid to say that. Um, I'm definitely I think, um, actually, I think for me, it was passing P companies seem to be the be all and end all to a lot of people. Of course it is. Um, and you've made some really good points there about some people who've done something really difficult, whether they're fighters or sports people, and they, they achieve that goal and then nothing. Or they they peter out. Yeah. Um. And I'm actually going to say something that I think would resonate or reflects uh, with something Johnny Wilkinson talks about when he won the 
2003 mm. World Cup. I think, in fact, it was 20 years to the day I just heard on the radio. Oh, really? Um, since the World Cup win. So I think it was that when we pa- when I passed P Company, I think I thought on parade that when they said you've passed, mm. there was going to be some sort of, that was my pinnacle. That was the, the climax of the whole thing. I was going to have this elation. And I just didn't. And I think it was because my head immediately switched to, okay, but what now? I've, I've got really? these, I've, got, I've passed this course now. What for? What was my why? You know, it was to go and serve at the, the regiment. So that wasn't the end. That was, if anything, the beginning. And I said that when they gave me my beret. I remember the OC saying, um, you know, well done. How do you feel? And I, I said something like, I guess this is where it starts because I realized, oh my God, this is not what it was about. It's about everything that comes after this. So I've done this. I've passed the course. I happen to have been the first woman to do it. It's what I do next that actually matters because I think one of the things that got me through the course subconsciously was that I wasn't doing it to get the wings. I wasn't just doing it for that one thing. I was doing it for the future. Mm. Um, And I think that longevity, that long-term investment that you're making there, um, somehow it's easier to break it down because a bit like you were saying, there's that one scary bit. I guess the one scary bit was just passing the course. It was just this tiny, tiny bit that I had to do to achieve the future career or the future that I wanted. Um, And so I think where I thought it was going to be when you're on parade and you take off your noddy hat and you're given your maroon beret, that's the moment. That's the moment you see in the photos. That's the mm. moment you see. That was just, it was just a transaction. It was it was just me stepping over the line to start the race. Yeah. Um, and so I think that was, that was really interesting that I sort of, I didn't have this moment, high, the momentary high. I just came to attention. They said, number 58, pass. <laughs> and I just said, sir. And I, and I didn't get excited. I just thought, okay, that's it. That's this is it. This is this is where it starts now. Did you get? Did you? I found that fascinating and incredibly inspirational, actually, and humbling. I think because I, I think I was the latter. Um, I did it not for me. I did it for other people. Um, and actually, subsequently learning all that, I've implemented a lot of what you've just said there now in my life. Um, learned hugely actually because I did that and I had this year and I did sort of well, I kept up fitness I didn't really I didn't aspire to do more than that in the military so I sort of did it did a few years after that and then moved on but um, it's incredible to hear that was it a shock when or you sort of getting ready when mindset wise you get that, yes, you've passed, that euphoric feeling, done, next thing, what's next? When the press sort of heard and saw about it, how did all that come about? So Did that come quite quickly after it? Yeah. It did, really. Yeah, so during the course, um, they, I think they, they knew I was, I was doing, I was going to pass. I yeah. think they knew that. Um, or I was physically achieving the standards, um, less getting injured. And they had said to me, you know, what do you want media wise? And I'd said, well, I don't want anything. My friends don't even know I'm on this course, apart from the ones that I work with who know <laughs> that I'm coming here and not in work. Um, I didn't tell people I was on the course. I'd been selected for the job in the November and I was on the course in the January. So I hadn't even had time to um, 
do a training program or anything. I'd just gone straight on the course mm. and um, I'd had Christmas and then gone straight on it. And so it was very, it was all happening in my own little world, in my own little bubble. I'd stopped replying to messages anyway on my phone because I'd been in my little negative bubble. But as far as I was concerned, it was happening in my own head and it was just going to be me and me and my beret. When I passed the course, I remember um, they got us all together after the parade. Um, I think we had, to, we had to go and tidy some rooms or something. But they had they sent me up to go and see um, the CO who was then saying, oh, all the papers are running with this tomorrow. And I said, well, that's great because I found out five minutes ago so oh. um, that I passed. You do know before, but it's until I heard it, I wasn't accepting so it. Is that? Is that? Yeah, of. and so and 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 they were really really good with me. They said, look, what we're going to do is we'll give them we'll give them some photos from the parade so that they don't go searching for stuff. Yeah. Um. And army media were fantastic. Um, really. At sort of, they said, you know, don't read the comments, don't go on social media, do not read anything. And I said, no, no, I'm grown up, won't do it. Obviously stayed up all night oh, and no. read every single comment. Oh, no. Um, And every now and then, if I need to feel humbled, I go back and read them and remind myself that I'm, um, I'm worth nothing. Um, was there anything that stuck out there that was hurtful? Um, so, no, to, um, yes. Uh, there's stuff that I let get into my own head. I don't mind if somebody is saying that they don't think women should be in the infantry or they don't think women should do X, Y, and Z. I'm more than happy to have that conversation because in many ways there are some things that are better for men or are better for women. There mm. are, there's, everyone has, you know, horses for courses. And I think the conversation is worth having. It's not just a, let's hit the quotas, let's just put them in there. Yeah. It has to be the right person at the right time. Which is why I was always happy that happy. It took three years for another person to pass the course, and we had a soldier pass uh, last year, uh, this year. Oh, really? That's yes. Okay. And I, I have to say, the day she passed, honestly, I was more excited that she had passed than when I passed. Um, like I said, I didn't have that elation moment, and I think the reason I was so excited when she passed was that. I felt validated that what I'd done was not an anomaly, that somebody had seen me pass and I'd seen her go through the course as well because um, she's at the brigade and I'd seen she's a medic and I'd seen her working hard to do it and I'd spoken to her and I realised that, I mean, selfishly and arrogantly that I'd inspired somebody and her passing the course was just everything to me because one... It, I wasn't the anomaly. Two women can, women can do it, not just a woman. Um, and also that it was a young soldier. So she's she's got the same birthday as me, but she's a decade younger. <laughs> so really? um, I remember thinking, I mean, she's she is the inspiration to the eighteen year old, nineteen year old that's looking to join the army. Because as much as I, I we can say I paved the way, I still feel like I. I feel a bit of an imposter because I've had this background of going running and I've had this background of being motivated all the time. But having a young soldier who, who you know, who didn't go to university, who went straight from school into the army, she's the same age as recruit root, re, those that we recruit. I think she's more of a um, an, an attainable role model for young mm. men and women. Um, or that's how I felt anyway. Um, and so it just meant so much to me that she passed and. Um, She's still in the brigade. She's absolutely fantastic, super fit girl. And um, that in my head is is where the actual path 
has been it wasn't me that that sort of made the path I kind of I guess I chose the route that we could take but she's by her following my footsteps that's mm. making the path um and I think that yeah she has done something fantastic as well um yeah, I, I I find it incredible they it, it sort of well they, I mean the the military is good for the military to have provided with the support from a from a, a media perspective and then push the button on releasing this information to the wider world to let people know that you know thousands of people have done it hundreds of thousands maybe over the course of what 1940 whatever um and you you've been that first person to pave that way so we need to share that incredible news how long did it go on for and did it change has it changed anything since you've done has it opened any doors has it helped you um do any speaking in the military outside of the military yeah so um i think if i kind of go back a few steps to while i was on the course it kind of all links up um when i was in this little dark moment where i was in my own little world and i wasn't replying to any messages and i was looking in the mirror and saying i wasn't going to pass um pretty negative isolated space and i um had a very good friend who um she's she's a wonderful girl she was in the military with me now she's left but she, um she was living uh in my regiment at the time in north yorkshire and she was very into she was a very very positive individual she was sort of um the kind of person you walk into a room and she's got a, a positive thing to say about everything in the world mm -hmm. and i would always i was i was less so um and she's a she's a yoga instructor and she's very in touch with um feelings and auras and and the like and i think she's wonderful um but we were sort of i guess a bit chalk and cheese like that and um i had gone shopping i think the christmas time and i found uh, these calendars that you have on your um table that you just rip a page off each day and it was a happy calendar and i can't remember why but i there were buy one get one three and i bought one for her and i bought one for me and i happened to have that with me on p company and each day I'd rip it off and it would say something that I don't buy into, you know, live, laugh, love, or, you know, you do you girl or something. And I just, I throw it in the bin. Um, I was in this isolated negative space and I ripped, it was the first day of test week. So test week starts on the Wednesday. Um, it was Wednesday, the 12th of February. And it was, um, the course finishes on the Tuesday. So on the Wednesday, I looked at the quote and it said, be strong. You never know who you are inspiring. And I was about to rip it off and throw it in the bin as I did with all of them. And I and I really I genuinely did just stop and reread it. Be strong, you never know who you are inspiring. And that is where it was like it was like the bubble that I was living in, this dark bubble just popped. And I realized that, oh my God, the, why have you made this about yourself, Rosie? This is not about you. Mm. This is like I said, it's about everything that's gonna come. It's about the future, it's about who you might inspire. And I ripped it off and uh, Having ripped it off, I folded it up and put it in my smock and I had it in there for the whole of P Company. I've got oh, it on my wall now. It's framed. It's a bit damaged at the edges, but it's framed on my wall. Um, and I think that sparked that sparked the process in my head of realising that I had the absolute privilege of having a voice that people might listen to. Mm -hmm. I might not be the most intelligent or the most verbose and I might not be the... Um, the highest achiever of of women in the military, but I have been given the opportunity to have a platform to either speak or show what women can do. Mm. Um, and I take that really seriously. Yeah. So when I then passed the course, I was asked to do 
talk at a few recruiting events um, on seminar. They were all online seminars because it was COVID. And my, I think my line going in initially was, it's no different being a woman in the military than it is being a man. It's absolutely no different. We're all treated the same. Having done the course, then spoken to a lot of young girls who were thinking about joining or thinking about doing difficult courses, arduous courses, I realised that, that I was so wrong. I was so wrong in my own head. I was being naive. Just because for me, I'd managed to achieve X, Y and Z does not mean that that was the um, the way everyone yeah. had it. And so I had the responsibility now to say, being a woman in the army is different. Why is it different? Because we are a female soldier or a female officer. And where I used to be annoyed and say, no, I'm not a female officer. I'm just an officer. Mm -hmm. I'm now very proud to say I'm a female officer because mm -hmm. that female part is what makes me different. Um, and difference is not something that should be negative. Difference is something fantastic. It's diverse. It's, it's, um, it adds something different to the group, to the team. Um, and it's something that we should absolutely embrace and use as an opportunity, mm. turn into a uh, turn into an opportunity. Um, because being the only woman in the room should not be intimidating or a bad thing. Being the only woman in the room should be an honor and a privilege that you get to represent the, those that aren't in that room. Yeah. Um, and that is kind of where I started realizing that I needed to tell that I needed to show young, young men and women, young mm. men and women that being different, being a wild card, let's mm. say is absolutely a strength. It's a superpower. Mm. And we're so Love lucky that. that we get to have that uh, in many ways. You know, there is, it, this is a great time to be a woman in many, many industries. Um, and if you embrace that and you choose to use that to your advantage, mm. I think that serious gains can be made, but you've got to make it positive. Yeah. You, you cannot approach it as this is difficult for me because I'm the only woman. You have to say, I get to be the only woman here. Mm. And none of the guys I'm looking at have, have this advantage on me. Yeah. Love that. Really love that. So I've got two girls, little girls, they're only two and seven. Um, I've got a boy as well who's nine, but I want my little girls to sort of, you know, they're not going to sit through this just yet, I don't <laughs> think. But soon I want them to learn, to, to to take exactly your uh, all those advice that you've just given there and to bury that into their head to be able to go, I can do anything I want. doesn't matter if I'm the first or the last. I'm going to go and do it. I'm going to have a try at doing it. Um, I mean, it's big and bold. And I think, you know... You're very humble, but doing the being the first in anything is it. It's hard. It takes you to to stand up to the line to to be on that have that platform, which can be very worrying for a lot of people. To go, I don't, you know, you you as a person are very accepting of that and determined and motivated to 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 utilize that platform to to motivate and and help others listen and understand that they can push themselves. Um, and quite often, lots of people get that opportunity and they might succeed, but actually they, they don't have the mindset to take them forward any further than that. Um, and one thing I, I love sort of hearing people like yourself uh, talk about is just like raising, removing those fear bubbles, but also the ceiling of what's possible. It's like, stop putting those things in front of you. Just get it out all out the way and just move forward, which I just, I love that mindset. So... Great time to move on to 
a bit of your personal like what are you up to at the moment like what are your what have you got any physical challenges you sort of signed up to i know you're a keen runner i'd love to know more about like a bit of that um how does your day and week look as well what are you up to what, do, what, do, what does the military look like for, for Rosie Wilde? Um, we're actually going through a really exciting time at the moment, what I'll explain. So I passed the course and I went and um, became a fire support team commander um, in 7th Parachute Regiment, Royal Horse Artillery, but I was um, attached to A Company 2 Para um, mm-hmm. for that job. Um, and I had a great two years. We deployed um, numerous exercises. I say great, very cold, always. Um Deployed in loads of exercises. We went Operation Pitting in Kabul. Mm. Um, had great experiences there. And then, unfortunately, as every senior captain has to do, you end up going to a, a more desk job. Um, but I was incredibly privileged to move into Adjutant at 7th Parachute Regiment Horse Artillery. So I stayed in the same regiment. I moved to Adjutant where I deal with the administration and the, the personnel. Um, 450 people about now. I'm glad um, you've just touched on that to give people a flavour of how big a role that is. Yeah, thank you. Well, it, it's a very, it is a very big role, but it is not all me. I have, yeah. uh, we delegate. You know, I could not take the credit for the incredible, incredible soldiers um, and officers that we have. Um, but that's the role. So I work um, sort of um, for the uh, directly for the commanding officer there, and he is absolutely fantastic and incredibly supportive of me and the fact that I run most mornings and I'm late most mornings because I always forget or I get excited on my run and go too far um, or the like and I promise him I'll I'll always be um, uh, productive when I do get into work and I probably am not Um, but yeah so I'm doing that now it's um, yeah it's more it's weirdly more of a nine to five eight to five job that I've than I've ever had um, with the military. I've really enjoyed it. I felt really stable this mm. the last couple of years. I had sort of two years where I was rarely here um, and it's quite nice to have that bit of stability now. You get itchy feet. Mm. Um, and uh, I think that's, that's why officers go in and out of these jobs because you do get itchy feet and you want to start doing stuff again. Um, but yeah, I have always been a runner. I took up triathlon um, funnily enough, just before I joined the army, I tried a couple of triathlons because I'd been told to stop running. Um, so I thought, well, I'll, I'll swim and cycle before I run and that will make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that and I really, really enjoyed it, but it was just a little bit of fun. I didn't own a bike or anything. Then I went to Cyprus for six months um, on a UN tour um, and I, I rode a little bit more out there with um, uh, another guy in the unit that used to run, uh, ride quite a lot. Um, and I came back and I, uh, my friend messaged me saying, oh, we need somebody for a bike race. You've got a bike, haven't you? Will you, will you come along? And I said, um, yeah, I've never done a bike race, but I'll, I'll come and do it. Like, I like fitness. I like challenging myself. So I went down to this race and I came second uh, in the army champs. And I thought, oh, this is great fun. This is fantastic. <laughs> oh, let's add another thing that, to my timetable that I'm going to start doing. So I, I took up cycling a bit more properly um and that following year i got into triathlon properly again um and i guess in the last sort of 18 months two years have focused a lot more on that and um started competing at sort of internationally um high competitive levels and it is all i stress highly all for fun I, I do it very competitively, but I do it because I love it. And 
I'm good at running because I love it. I go out running because I want to. Yeah. Um, there's never, there's rarely a morning where I think I have to do this. I wake up and I decide I'm going to go do this because I want to be better. I want to, I want to finish the day having done something better than yeah, I did yeah. yesterday. Um, and so my days currently look like waking up early, going on a run maybe or, or a swim or a cycle, going into work and then finishing the day with, with the same sort of really? thing. Um, it's the but, distances you have to do for triathlon, isn't it? So yeah. sort of, you need the miles. Yeah. There's no shortcutting it. You yeah. need to put a lot of time in the pool. You need to go on long runs. You need to do long distances on bikes. It is, is it is a lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and I'm quite happy to live it. <laughs> yeah. um, I did uh, an Ironman in August um, and I didn't put that much pressure on myself. I didn't have a training plan. I didn't feel like I had to follow. Um, you know, I had to hit 100 miles today and I had to do a 30 mile run today. Mm. I, I was a bit looser with it. Probably not the right way of managing it, but it made sure that I went into the, I went into the race really excited and I'd worked really, really hard, but I'd never felt like it was hard work really? um, because it was always what I wanted to do and when I wanted to do it. Um, and I think that's really, really important if you, when I look at high performance, I don't see it as the win at the end or the being successful is not winning. Yeah. It's, it's making sure that you wake up and you challenge yourself and, and you achieve mm. sort of you push yourself to that limit yeah, yeah. at any point. Um, and if you're doing that, you're performing highly, whether or not you're winning or mm. just improving yourself. It, it doesn't really matter. It's that both a high performance. Um, but I wouldn't be myself if I weren't um, if I weren't sort of I've got to an impasse now where I've thought I've started getting the itchy feet again I started really? getting a bit bored and thinking oh no am I coasting again what is my future mm. where can I challenge myself and I off the back of a really successful triathlon season um, decided to apply um, to be a full-time um triathlete with the army um right. so they sponsor people through uh training if they're, if they're at a sort of particular elite level um which i've been accepted on sort of found out a couple of weeks ago been accepted on it so next year i have a year where nice. i am just competing as a uh, sort of amazing a full-time athlete um there's i'm really proud of myself and i hate saying that but i'm really proud of myself because i talk a lot about go and get what you want go and if you want something go and get it and if you love it do it even more um you've got to push yourself and you've got to every day wake up and challenge yourself if i didn't apply for that i wouldn't have been true to what i was telling other people to do um, yeah and you shouldn't well i know you, you do feel it as that's the way you feel but you shouldn't do you should be proud of yourself um because it's incredible and like it's it takes a completely different gear change. It's like, I hate those people that sort of say, oh, it's okay because that's their full-time job. Well, you wouldn't do it if it was your full-time yeah. job. Like, let's just be clear, getting up every morning to put your foot yourself through hell, because that's the point of it. You're meant to beat yourself up in training so that when you compete, it's it doesn't feel weird. You're just, just another training session that you can do really well. And hopefully you've, you've trained yourself into an, a level of you're going to peak at that point. But getting up every day to just do it casually to then doing it professionally, it's a big deal. Yes. And I've, I, I had an overwhelming feeling of guilt when I was selected because I thought, oh, 
I joined the army to serve to lead. I joined the army to, we've learned about servant leadership and now I'm what, I'm going to take a year and go and ride my bike. Mm. That it's, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't match up. But again, I've had those around me supporting me more than I support myself Amazing. saying, well, hang on. It's, it's the message you're sending. It's, it's, you're saying to people, Hey, are you good at something? Or do you, do you love something? Go and mm. pursue it. Just go and do it. And because if you don't, are you going to be happy? Um, I'm not driven by money. I'm not driven by rank. I'm not. I'm not ambitious in that sense. I'm ambitious in a sense that every I want to improve myself, and I want to know that in ten years' time, I look back and say, "Hey, I tried that. Yeah. I might get to the end of this year and achieve nothing and have no results to back me up. But I, what I will have is, hey, I did it. Mm. I went and tried it. Okay, I did. Incredible. I failed, but is it really failure? Mm. Um, we when you when you go in bike races um they're all very tactical and if you want to win the race you have to make an attack at some point it might be 5 kilometers from the end it might be 500 meters from the end as a sprint attack but you have to you have to be willing to do that you have to be the one that makes the attack mm. um and a good friend of mine who was on the cycling team with me said if in order to win the race you have to be prepared to lose the race mm. and I have many a time lost a bike race because I have attacked early mm. and I've gone for it and it hasn't quite panned out. The peloton's caught me and then they've attacked mm. over the top and they've won. But I will finish that race thinking, okay, but I didn't lose. I I did what was I did yeah. what was right for me. Yeah. I'm so glad I did that attack mm. because that's what I wanted to do and that's where I achieved something. And I've learned something mm. from it. Um, and so I think in life, if you look the same way, You've got to be prepared to lose something. Otherwise, you're never going to win. You yeah. can't win by sitting in the in the middle lane. Love that. I literally love that. Um, time to have some fun. Uh, get up and close and personal in terms of this personal segment. Um, I what we're starting off. If there was one thing um, that you could be remembered for, what would it be and why? Um, always being unapologetically myself. Good. Nice. Can you describe one of your proudest moments professionally or personally? I think professionally, I'll have to go with Passing P Company. Uh, personally, um, I'm in Copenhagen this year. Really? Yeah. Amazing. And... This driven mindset that Rosie has, does it have a downside to it? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, I am. Yeah. Anyone who is driven is is has their way of doing things, and mm. it's and it's difficult to adapt, and it's difficult to change. When I decide I'm going to do something, it's very difficult to then peter off that that course. Um, and that is something I probably daily have to manage things are not always going to go your way there's going to be traffic there's going to be um i'm gonna start going on a run i'm gonna get a phone call i need to go back into work there's going to be something that will always get in your way um but i keep talking about turning obstacles into opportunities like ryan holiday wrote a book about it um and every time that there is a little moment like that i've got to learn to flip it into an opportunity mm. because 
somebody who is very driven and is stuck in their ways and has their a program out written out for them and a timetable if you struggle to if you're not able to recourse or redirect yourself mm. um then you will lose your way and so that's but it's easy to say that I do that every time I don't there are there are times I get thrown out of whack um but I'm just going to find myself it's, back yeah interesting do you know it's so funny I did the Brighton 10k on Sunday way bigger event than I, I thought it was but it was like two and a half thousand people down there yeah. 2040 people or something yeah. like that and it was funny because I bumped into a quite a keen runner that I'd met at a dinner party thing for a charity that we do work with and I hadn't seen him for a long time and he starts telling me he's, he's an older guy um, and he starts telling me about uh, his running but it was quite funny because he was saying to me everyone I've bumped into around here <laughs> has got like and even the guy that we were, we were, he was talking to me, the guy next to me was sort of saying a little excuse. Everyone's got that li- on yeah. a race day, like, oh, it's that it, my little hip thing. Oh, the headwind's going to be strong. Like, and it was strong. The headwind yeah. was really bad on that uh, Sunday morning. But it's just interesting, those little adaptations in your mindset that when you start talking like that and using it, it is just a way out. It's that way out of going, it's okay. It's that way out of not doing the best that you can. So you blame something else. Hip injury. Oh, I haven't done this. is the first run I've done in a long time. Or, And this guy I was talking to was like, feeling really good. This is this is the what I'm good. This is my game plan. I'm going to do this. He'd just come back from doing Chicago, did a 253 or something over there. And I was like, I'm chasing you then. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not leading the way with you. Um which was incredible, but I just, it was just really interesting. He said he bumped into four or five people. Every one of them was like, oh, this is hurting, or this is this, or this is that. Um, And I read Cam Haynes' book about, like, learning to enjoy, and there's a, I can't remember her name now, but that, um, she's an ultra runner, and she works for Apple. She's a lawyer. Can't remember her name. Incredible athlete. She does all these ultras, won loads of amount, um, loads of these events, and she has in her head what are my opponents doing? What are what are my competitive? What are my competitors doing? They're not running in this temperature and in this weather, so I am doing it. So when the rain, when the race day comes on and it is tipping it down with rain and the wind's coming, it's like I'm I'm ready for this because I trained for it. Um, Whereas the majority don't think like that at all. It's like, oh no, the headwind. I haven't tried. I don't like running in the wind. I don't want to run into the wind. Um, but love that. Really interesting. That's, um, no, that's really interesting because I would say that I'm not necessarily uh, one of those people that turns up and says, "I'm ready for this." This is I. I love. I love the little excuses. Oh, you know. Um, I'm very, very jealous and inspired by the people that can turn up to a race and say, I am ready for this. This is my day for a PB. Um, And I think that we can all learn a lot from them. I did the London Marathon in April this year and I spent the whole walk to the start line listing reasons why I was not going to PB in my own head I was going oh "Oh, well I didn't train this and I went and exercised for three weeks and I didn't run then I didn't do this and didn't do this I then set off a bit too fast or I set off at very fast and I decided my punishment was that rather than saying well you're going to blow up because you didn't train because you're injured my punishment was to myself well you've got to hold this pace now Rosie you've you've set this you've got to do this um 
because if you're going to be cocky enough to go off that fast, you've got to carry on. Um, and I did manage to maintain it. And I PB'd by a good six minutes um, and got 243. Cool. And if you'd asked, if you'd said to me the day before, what you're going to get tomorrow, I probably would have said three hours. Mm. And that's 17 minutes faster. And I'm annoyed at myself having that attitude. And I'm definitely learning from it because, hey, we're all, we're all work in progress. Mm. And if I turned up and said, I can achieve a 243, I might have gone faster. Yeah. It was interesting. I love that. Like learning for those people that come down to those days that are like, I'm ready to do it. Because I, I was, I didn't make excuses. I said, I, well, I mean, what did I say? I remember he talked to me and I said, I, I'd say I'm more an all rounder of fitness. <laughs> yeah. I like to do weights. I like to do CrossFit. I like to run. And I got a PB that day and I was, really proud of myself because I didn't intend to do a PB but I stuck with him mm -hmm. and he said I'm going to do 38 39 and I stuck with him and I thought actually I'm going to I'm going to go for it now and about 6k in I just went past and then battled the wind and at the end of it I was like oh my god Al you need to sign up to something now you you, <laughs> yeah. you need to itch that itch of sub three because I've not done it those sorts of distances um probably since the military, to be fair, which was a long time ago. But it it inspired me listening to him at the start and saying all this stuff because it was quite unnatural to listen to someone go, yeah, I'm fancying this time. That's what I'm going to go and do. Um, he was an older guy, like he's in his late 40s, 50s, which I just find incredible that they've just, you know, that's the distance, isn't it? Like as you get older, you're just able to sort of look at these distances and sort of take them on. Um, amazing. So... I'm thinking of this on the spot now, just the things you said. Um, do you think you fear failure? And if so, why? Yes, I would say I do fear failure. Um, massively in my 30s and 20s. Um, but not so much now. Um, I think I'm going to rephrase that actually. So I used to have, um, I wouldn't put myself forward for certain things because I sort of knew that that is the, like the 10 K for instance, I run what a hundred K a week, but I'd never put my name down to him. I just do my own thing. And my sister put my name down and then I started to feel this nerves that you all do when you sort of want to compete because you want to do well for yourself. Um, and it, But really, if I boil it all down, it's not wanting to step up, really, and actually try and not get that good time and it be publicly listed and just showing good news all the time. Um, I think professionally, am I, am I afraid of failure? A failure? Yes. But I try and still in my team, no, because there's been things that have happened this week where we've made mistakes here or there because it's busy season for us. We've set things up wrong or something might have gone out incorrect. Do I tell people off for that? Like the military, like like I've been used to sort of like I was used to seeing in the military. No, of course I don't do that. I talk about failure in that let's just move on, learn from it, and just get it done. Like no one intends to ruin something. Um, I hope, but like most of the time, it's just a simple accident or an oversight of something. 
but I'd say I am afraid of it if if I boil it right down to a yes or no. Um, I think it's because I've got more to lose now. I've lost lots. Like I went bankrupt when I left the military, left, lost everything, um, signing on in the dole for a year or six months or whatever it was. Um, and that really wasn't nice, but I didn't have much to lose in the first place. I've got a lot to lose now. Like there's a hundred odd people. And so if we make the wrong mistake, if we make, if I was sort of bold enough, well, if I was being cocky and confident and just say, yeah, I'm not afraid of it. We'll just make these big buys. Actually, the, the older I've become, I've become more risk averse than when I was when I was younger. It's probably normal for people to go through that journey. I'm not definitely not an anomaly on that. Um, but it's to do with you know family things that you have, a certain lifestyle that you're used to, uh, you know, people that you've got to look after. There's all that that comes into our mind when we're making bets so i come at it of trying to limit that failure down as much as I can by talking to as many people as i can which i try i've got lots of advisors around me i've got a great team around me um to help me keep me on the straight and narrow and not just be like we are marching into battle over like this and just being bold and gallant but actually being stupid at the same time um good question thank you um yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed today. I was super pumped about talking to you anyway because I think it's absolutely incredible what you've done. I think you're an incredibly lovely person, warm-hearted, but really, really motivational and humble. Um, and, yeah, I'm looking forward to speaking to my wife and the, my girls about your sort of mindset. Amazing. Rosie, thank you. There you've got it. Thank you so much for listening to this latest episode of Wildcards with Rosie Wilde thoroughly enjoyed that discussion loved hearing how rosie goes about with her positive mindset and tackling those sort of major riches that she has to do more from iron men to tackling p company and completing it um so yeah i just wanted to thank everyone for listening now and if you could subscribe i'd really appreciate it thank you <laughs>